0: Twenty-three. If you'll find Luke chapter twenty-three and just mark that in your Bible, and then <clears throat> once you have that marked, if you turn over to Matthew chapter fifteen, Matthew chapter fifteen. Uh, while you're doing that, uh, you may have noticed that insert in the bulletin uh, looks like you can fill out the size and color of shirt that you'd like, if that interests you. And though the offering plates have already went by. If you fill that out and give it to an usher or put it in one of the mailboxes in the lobby there, we'll make sure that gets to Sherry and we'll get everything covered there. Unless you, you want to hand it directly to Miss Sherry up there, that would be fine. All right, Matthew 15, if you are able to stand, let's look at Matthew 15. Okay, it's been a good long week. Exciting. It's hard to believe that uh, Monday they put the decorations up. Tuesday we went to a Good News Mission banquet. Wednesday we had church. Thursday seems like a busy day. Oh yeah. Prepared for today. And uh, also made a number of visits. So anyways, uh, here we go. We're going to look at verse 21. Verse 21. Then Jesus went thence, and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a a devil. I may not get back to this, so I want to say it now. Though this lady was a Gentile, she acknowledged Jesus as God, Deity, she acknowledged his deity, O Lord. Thou son of David, she acknowledged his humanity, but she also acknowledged his royalty, that he was the son of David, the king of Israel. And that's some enlightenment. This dear lady, the information she's received about the miracle man of Galilee, she knows he is her answer. And so... She comes to him, and this is one of the more unusual stories of the Bible, wonderful stories of the Bible, but there are definitely some passages that need to be explained. So she cries out to him, no doubt, with tears in her eyes. In verse 23, and this is our text verse, but he answered her not a word. As a matter of fact, I'll just pause right there. We're going to talk about when our Lord is silent when our Lord is silent. And so I know that many of you have prayed, you've even wept, and you've asked God to do something, whether it be for you, a child, another family member, or a co-worker, or some other situation that is, you have deemed a crisis. And I know many, many people have experienced this season where it seems God is silent. So though the title is When Our Lord is Silent, I believe we're going to give an explanation as what to do when the Lord is silent. So let's pray here. Father, may you bless the message and minister to our hearts. We're thankful that you've recorded this incident, not just that it reveals your miraculous power, but it reveals your love, your compassion and your interest in our personal faith. May the Holy Ghost bless this special music now and prepare our hearts to hear the word of God. I Ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Three for a moment, and before I even begin reading again, uh, <clears throat> I think I told a few people about a sermon Joe Arthur preached, just tremendous sermon. About uh, there is nothing, and uh, he preached at a Southwide, and I got into listening to a few of his sermons this past week, and he he made a statement that cracked me up, and I hope this doesn't, I, I, this surely cannot be our church, no way, but he brought this up. He said, you know, he was preaching in a church, uh, one particular uh, revival meeting, and he said a man had a heart attack. They called nine one one. The man ended up dying. And he said they checked 50 people before they found out the real dead person. (laughs) That's a sad state of a church, isn't it? I know you were getting real somber and serious. You were there. You were thinking that's just terrible. I tell you what's terrible is a dead church. That's terrible. I mean, a church that's not alive, doesn't have a heart for God, can't respond to the truth. You know, I know we're I know we're north of the Mason-Dixon line. I'm I'm aware of that, and I'm from Michigan. I'm but the reality is, uh, it'd be all right to say amen if something has you moving inside other than indigestion. Okay? If you hear something that you like, it's all right to let it out. You can say amen. You can say glory to God. You can wave your hand. Don't run the aisles. I really would like to refrain from that. Don't do somersaults. Don't bark like a dog, anything like that. There are some weird things people do, but you know, it's all right. My father-in-law is now in Florida, and I am telling you, when he's not here, it's, his absent is present, and I'm like, oh, well, so anyways, uh, we, we just need to uh, not get so worried about what everybody else around us is thinking. We really do. Let's have a little practice here, okay? Just a little practice. <laughs> I, you're, get, you're getting ahead of me. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, so Tim Barnes would get ahead of me, too. I'll tell you what. He marches to the beat of a different drum. So, But uh, when I used to do the junior church, I'd always start off, get up there, and I'd say, If you love Jesus, say amen. amen. All right, all right. And I, okay, I'm, I'm now in junior church mode, and I, I'd actually change it up a little bit, and I'd say, if you hate the devil, say yes. yes. That wasn't as loud. as. That's kind of scary. I'm, really, I'm serious. I'm a little nervous there. If you hate the devil, say yes. yes. I, I know what. You got a little scared thinking if I say it too loud, he's going to come knocking at my door. Yes. Friend, let me just tell you what. If he's not knocking at your door, you're not where God wants you. Amen. That's the fact. Because anybody that's trying to live for God has that pesky rascal knocking at their door. If you love ice cream, say yes. yes. And then here's where I throw people up, and I know this this is gonna throw you off, but if you pick your nose and eat it, say no. You'd be amazed how many kids I had say yes. (laughs) All right, we're going to look at this. Let's review this story in our brain here for just a moment, okay? The Lord Jesus has, uh, he's really, he's been rejected as a whole by the nation of Israel. And now he leaves the border. He enters Tyre and Sidon. He's in the Gentile region. He knows what he's going to do long before he gets there. How many of you believe that? And I realize in his humanity, he allowed himself to be limited in occasion. But nevertheless, most of the time we realize he knew what he was doing long before he showed up. And so he leaves the coast of Israel into Tyre and Sidon. And the first person he encounters, or at least that the scripture reveals to us about, is this, this woman who has a daughter who's demon possessed. And she is broken up about it. By the way, as parents should be. She's broken up about it. She's obviously heard of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when she meets him, she seeks his help. And the first thing we read after her prayer, her brokenness, her profession, her confession, the first thing we read is, but he answered her not a word, nothing. Now that's scary. That's sad. But you and I, most of us, have already read the rest of the story. We know how it ends, but we need to pause here for just a moment Because, uh, not to get ahead of myself, but there are reasons, there there are a few occasions in the Bible where God was silent. In the days of Eli, the high priest, the Bible says there was no open vision. And then uh, there was nearly a 450 year time span between Malachi and the birth of Christ. There was no open word from the Lord. It was as though the Lord was silent. Though another occasion will transpire after this incident, I need to mention it. In Luke 23, look at Luke 23, the Lord Jesus is being interrogated, and Herod the king wants to see him. This is the same Herod that put John the Baptist to death. This is the same Herod that committed adultery, that heard the preaching of John the Baptist, expose his sin and his adulterous, his, adulterous wife's sin. His wife was actually the, was married to his brother, and he had taken her, and obviously she volunteered. It was a flat-out adultery. By the way, whoremongers and adulterers God will judge, Hebrews 13.4. It doesn't matter if you're saved or lost. Be sure your sin will find you out. I'm just telling you because that is what the Word of God has to say. And so this man heard the preaching of John the Baptist. And what did he do? He put John the Baptist in prison and then eventually uh, cut his head off. And so now he thinks John the Baptist is raised from the dead. Again, he wants to, he wants to meet Jesus He's heard about these miracles, and so Pilate uh, sets up an interview for Herod. And Herod, here we go, verse 9, it says, Then he questioned with him, that's Herod, in many words. What's the last phrase say? But he answered him nothing. That's Jesus. Jesus had no word for Herod, because Herod had ignored the last word, From God. And sometimes, sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, I would be remiss, before we go back to our text in Matthew 15, I would be remiss if I did not tell you that there are some reasons sometimes the Lord is quiet because we have ignored the last command that He's given us. We have ignored the last clear word that He's spoken to us about. We have rejected The truth that he's revealed to us prior. Therefore, he is not obligated to give us any new knowledge, any new wisdom. And sometimes that happens to church members. Sometimes God speaks to them about something. They stiff-arm God. They don't want to deal with it, whether it's getting right with a friend or a spouse or making things right, restitution, some type of repentance, or whether it's obedience, maybe surrendering to a particular ministry, a particular task they know God has called them, whatever it might be, you and God know that. God knows those who hear Him. And if they have stiff-armed, rejected, declined, and they keep doing that, By the way, God resisteth the proud. If they keep doing that, I'm here to tell you, don't expect a new word from God. And sometimes what happens is, church starts getting boring now because the preacher can't keep me entertained with jokes. Uh, I'm... I'm not enjoying myself in the church service anymore. It just seems like Charlie Brown's parents are talking to me every time I show up. Wah, 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 wah. And you wonder what is going on there. And it very well could be, I'm not saying it is for you, but it could be there's some unresolved business that needs to be taken care of. And I'm here to tell you, if you've got a great burden like this woman had, I would think you'd want to get that clarified. I don't want my hate for a brother or my hate for an enemy, let me put it that way, to hinder my prayer for a loved one. Are you hearing me? Because bitterness can can build a, a wall there. Uh, the, as a matter of fact, Psalms uh, 66 verse 18 if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And I believe there are times when there's something absolutely specific, specific God is dealing with you about. And that's between you and God. But aren't, hey, that ought to be a blessing to know that God knows how to talk to you where you're at. He knows how to get your attention. But now we come back to this story. Because that was not this woman's case. And even if it was this woman's case, pay close attention. We read verse 22 again. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, what did she say? Have what? Mercy. mercy. You know what she was saying? I don't want there to be anything between me and you. Hello? Amen. You see, nobody seeks mercy unless they know they need it. And guess what? Guess who the mercy seat is? The greatest forgiver of all time she has just encountered. She comes to him and she seeks mercy and she has done the right thing. She's at, she, she's at the right person. And who knows, she may, she's, she, her motive may be just to help her daughter, but nevertheless, she's willing to humble herself before the Lord. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, son of David. That's where we start. That's where we start. I want you to notice this. It says, but he answered her not a word. And so, in some of the new versions of the so-called English Bible, it might read like this afterward. So she left bitter. So she quit going to church. So she quit witnessing for Christ. So she quit spending time in prayer. So she got mad at God and everybody that associated themselves with God. Because the answer, is that what your Bible says? That's not what it says. But you know I I know people like that. I know people like that. Because God doesn't do for them what they want, when they want it. They give up on God and they even get mad at God. Well, that's kind of foolish. That's like the flea getting upset at the dog. No, that's a... No, 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 no. She did not do that. She didn't get angry. She didn't give up. She didn't throw in the towel. She didn't call him names. Oh, no, 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 no. As a matter of fact, she did something else. What do you do when our Lord is silent? Well, you obviously need to humble yourself. Hello. But... We read on in verse 23, it says, And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. Now, that tells me something. Now, one commentator I read said, and I'm like, this guy, you can't trust all those commentators. I'm going to tell you that right now. I mean, you just can't. They're humans just like you and I. This one fellow said, uh, This reveals the pride of these disciples. She was not crying to them. She was crying to him. And I'm like, I can see it. I can see, for instance, she cries to Jesus. He's not listening, so he's going to cry to the disciples. How many of you have kids? Hello. Hey, Dad, can I do this? Hey, Dad, can I have this? Dad says, No, not right now. And so what do they do? They slip on over to mom. And they don't even tell mom that they talk to dad. And that's how kids divide homes, i am tell you right now. No. Mom, can I do this? Can I... I can see them going to the disciples. Can you not see them going to the disciples? He answered her nothing, but that's not going to make her stop. She goes to the next person in line. She knows he's the one that's going to make the difference. So his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, Now he speaks. So the disciples, she got the disciples' attention. I'll, I'll grant her that. And the disciples say something to the Lord, and then the Lord responds to her. She's right there in front of them all. And the Lord responds. And his response seems so harsh. He answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Well, she could have given up there, too. She could have thrown in the towel there. She could have quit going to church. She could have said, well, I'm not tithing anymore. She could have said, well, I'm not handing out any more gospel tracts. I'm not even going to read my Bible. I don't. What do I need? If you'll have nothing to do, nothing to do with me, why should I have anything to do with you? She did not respond that way. She, uh, verse 25, Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. Amen. I want you to know something, ladies and gentlemen. When the Lord seems silent to you, he's still worthy of worship. He's still deserving of worship. When you feel like your prayers are hitting an iron wall, iron ceiling, he's still worthy of worship. And by the way, let me say, though the Bible says he answered her nothing, though the Bible says that, it doesn't mean he didn't care. I know the rest of the story, and I know what the Bible says about my God. If you want to know what love is, know God. God is love. He didn't just show love. He is love. Nobody cares like God cares. Oh, it's not that he didn't care. Oh, no, no, no. And it's not that he couldn't hear. Oh, we know that. Oh, no, no, no. And it's not that he didn't have the ability to make a difference. We know that's not the case. Although, sometimes in our own life, when we're praying and we're seeking God on our behalf or the behalf of another person, we can feel like... Does he really care about me? I'm hearing about these other answers to prayer. I'm seeing God do this for this uh, individual and that individual. Oh, hold a coffee. What can we do? What can we learn? Here's a dear lady that experienced the same thing. And what did she do? She worshiped. And let me bring you back to old Job for just a moment in case you think, well, yeah, but she ended up getting her way hold the coffee. She hasn't got her way yet, and she worships. And Job, he lost his kids, and he lost his family. And what did he do? He said, the Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. And blessed be the name of the Lord. Did his heart hurt? Yes, his heart hurt. I mean, did he have a grievous soul? Absolutely. But he didn't give up on God, and he didn't get bitter toward God. Oh, no, no. He let his grief uh, put a grip on God, is what he did. He he got a hold of God and stayed close to God. And even when he couldn't see him, and even when he couldn't feel him, and even when he couldn't hear him, he, he said, I know my Redeemer liveth. The Bible tells us in uh, 2 Timothy 2, verse I think it's verse 11, if we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. Friend, even when your, your, your faith gauge is low, he's still present. He is a very present help in time of storm. What could this mean? Well, We know what it didn't mean. It didn't mean that he didn't care. We know what she didn't do, and that's a blessing. But what did she do? Why would Jesus remain silent to her? Let's answer that question. Let me read the rest of this first. Look at verse 26. So we find her worshiping, even though the Lord says, I'm not uh, sent to the lost, I'm only sent to the lost house of Israel. She says, she worships, saying, Lord, help me. Oh, she simplifies her prayer. She knows, he knows exactly what's on her heart. Verse 26, but he answered and said, it is not meat or fitting to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. Oh, whoa, hold the coffee now. What's going on here? You just called her a dog? What is going on? I, you know what? I've got to tell you something. I'm reading a book right now that has given me a little more light to this, and it didn't. And the, that was not the intention. Mike Haley, I always, we talk about books when I'm with preachers a lot of times, and I give him my recommendations. He gave me some recommendations, and one of them was, Cat and dog theology. Cat and dog theology. How many of you are cat owners? Okay. How many of you are dog owners? How many of you have both? I've got a few of you. All right. All right. <clears throat> Either way, you know cats and dogs behave different. Yes. They behave different. So let's kind of visualize a scenario. Here's a person that has a cat and a dog. and This would be a typical scenario. scenario. If you're an exception to the rule, please don't blurt it out. But this is a typical scenario. You pull into the drive after a long day's work and the dog comes wagging his tail. And he's all over you. How many of you dog owners have a dog like that he is the first to greet you unless he's an old codger and can't move anymore (laughs) he's got that table he's got slobber ready to slap on you right now he wants to run his nasty tongue across your face which i forbid but man he just wants you to know you're the greatest you hear me now wait a minute This dog wants you to know you mean something to him. That's what the dog does. Then you got the cat. (laughs) You don't see that cat going, let alone, and they've got that scaly tongue. Anyway, it's just like, yeah, you could shave with a cat tongue. Cut them cat tongues off and clean up the. Come on, you've been licked by a cat before. Yeah, come on. I mean, it's it's like it's got scales. A dog's tongue is smooth and sloppy. But <laughs> you, you don't get this at every church. <laughs> so the owner of the cat comes home. Or the owner of both, and the dog has made his presence known, and he goes in there, he sees the cat on the window sill, gives a glance and looks back. <laughs> and when the cat's hungry, the cat will let you know. And when the cat wants outside, it'll let you know, but it kind of moves at its own pace at its own time. Now, they both have the same master. We won't knock that. But one looks at the master different than the other. Y'all, hearing me? The premise of this book is some Christians are cats and some are dogs. Y'all, hearing me? Come on now. And we have the same master but we look at the master different. And now when I read this passage after inadvertently reading this book, I say to myself, the Lord says to her, it's not fit to give uh, the bread to, let me read it again so I quote it correctly. It's not meet to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. And she said, truth. Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Cease saying, I've been wagging my tail. I've been waiting for your presence. You mean something to me, Lord, son of David. And I don't care what the crowd thinks, just like that woman who brought in that alabaster box and broke up the dinner party. I don't care what the crowd thinks. I need you, and I'm here to break up the crowd to get to you. And I fall on my face, worship, falling on her face in front of them all, no doubt with tears in her eyes. And she gets the silent treatment, but she keeps on calling out. And the disciples say to her, the Lord, you need to get rid of this woman. And the Lord says, lady, I'm not here to give the uh, bread of the children of Israel, to dogs. And she said, but you're my master. If I'm your dog, you're my master. Now wait a minute, before you get on that comment and say, boy, that just seems so harsh, hold the cock. Uh Praying Hyde, William Hyde, here's a book, He's got a biography about his prayer life. It's incredible. He made this statement one time. He was as he was studying his Bible, he come across this very passage. He broke down and wept, and he couldn't stop weeping. And this is how intimate and how real Christ came into it, uh, became to him with this experience. And man, I, I just, I got to ask God to forgive me of my callousness, my apathy at times, my hard heart. I know you don't have that problem, but I got to ask God to keep me soft and keep me sensitive because the cares of this world, they do. They can, they can divert my attention and get my mind on things that I don't, I mean, it may not be bad, but I mean, it can, it can overrule that affection for the Lord. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And so anyways, Praying Hyde said this. He'd come across that passage, and as he'd come across that passage, he had been meditating upon the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ and how Jesus became sin for us, he who knew no sin. And in order for him to substitute, he had to, he had to vicariously acknowledge and feel the sin and the wickedness of every person in the room. And this particular occasion, as he read that, though he calls her a dog... The reality was, he was willing to become a dog to redeem her soul. He too became a servant unto death, and that gripped his soul. So, though the Lord calls her that, it wasn't as though he wasn't willing to identify with her. Because the Lord Jesus identified with all of us in our weaknesses and in our sin through the cross, he never sinned. Hear me clearly. He never sinned, but he had to identify with that as he was nailed to the cross and crucified. You say, when did it happen? When he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Well, why would he say that? Because he was identifying and feeling the sin of all humanity, the guilt and the consequence, paying the price. And while that was on him, the father had to turn. Now, why would he remain silent as we consider this? We know that she gets her prayer answered. Well, I would say, first of all, that the greatness of her faith would be manifest. Did I, did I finish reading? I don't think I finished reading. Look at verse 27. She said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the ma- their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. I guess if we'd go interview her and talk about that humbling experience, I guess if we went to her and talked about how she had to throw herself at the at, at the feet of Jesus in front of everybody, and had to cry out for mercy. And as she wept, and even acknowledged and accepted the fact that she was called a dog. I guess we were to interview her and said something like this. So, uh, uh, Miss Phoenician woman, uh, that was a humbling experience. Do you think it was really worth it? Do you think it was really worth it? As she looks at her dog, smiling and in her right mind, absolutely, absolutely, I'd do it all again. Her faith, Jesus wanted to magnify her faith, and I believe he wanted to do it right in the face of those disciples who had traveled with him for some three years, and this dear lady, she'd only heard of him and spends just a little bit of time with him, and Jesus says, woman, great is your faith, yet how often did we hear the Lord Jesus say to his disciples, O ye of little faith. Oh yeah, the Lord always puts great faith up against little faith to teach little faith some things. Not to condemn it, but to let little faith know, I am who I am. He is the creator of all things, and by him all things exist. All power is given unto him in heaven and in earth. And so we see this, uh, one of the reasons I believe for the silent treatment was to bring out this great faith. Because little faith would have walked away. Little faith would have given up. Little faith would have panicked and cried and, and got bitter. Who knows? But great faith said, I'm not leaving. I know who you are. Another reason, I believe, was that others would be encouraged to persevere. There are many people praying right now who have been praying for years for God to do something. And God wants us to know, don't give up. Don't give up. I give another reason, for time's sake I want to hasten. That we would understand worship. Another reason for the silent treatment. That we would understand that worship wins the favor of the master. You know, it's just hard to kick a dog when he's got his tail wagging and he's licking your hand. That's not hard with a cat, but that's, I'm I'm t- I'm sorry. I'm, you cat lovers, don't, don't crucify me. I had a cat when I was a kid, and he, he chose to get run over by a car. That was a bummer. Tony the cat. Yep. Get my mind off old Tony. I might start sobbing. She acknowledged Jesus as her master worthy of worship, even though she receives the silent treatment. And then number four, I would say this, as I consider this. Because I know many folks in our membership, I, I know your prayer request. He wanted to see a parent, or he wanted to reveal a parent who wouldn't give up on their child. I just wonder... I wonder if uh, if you were the parent of this daughter, would you have went to that degree? I just wonder. I wonder if many of us independent Baptists with wayward children would go to that extent, go that distance, For their child. See, it was obvious to her, my child's out of my hands. I'm absolutely limited in helping my child. There's nothing I can do. And it was tearing her up inside. But rather than grow cold and hard, And rather than accept the fact that, well, that's just the way it's going to be, I might as well move on in life. She said, wait a minute, there's still hope. Because I know a man. And I wonder, I wonder if her thought, as she approached him, I wonder if her thought was, even if he doesn't know me, I know of him. And he's going to get to know me before all is said and done, I can just see her in a Baptist church like this. I can see her. She knows the Lord's working. And, and at the end of the service, she says, You know what? I, uh, I don't care what anybody thinks. I want my child, I want God to help my child. I want God to work in my child's life, and I want God to know I love him regardless. And I want God to know that he's worthy of my praise regardless. And I want God to know, even though it feels silent and it's been feeling silent for a long time, my heart is still burdened for my child, but my devotion is still for you. I believe there's a lesson here for parents. And then I believe finally he wanted us to see how our prayers can touch the lives of others. Because it wasn't the little child praying for herself. It was mama praying for her little child. Like Abraham praying for Lot. Here's a question for you before I close. Does she care more about her child than you do for yours. That's just a good question for us to think about. If I can have every head bowed and every eye closed, Father, I love you, and I pray that you bless the service this morning. I pray your spirit would touch hearts, encourage people. I pray, Father, that you'd give us assurance that you are able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. With every head bowed and every eye closed in the room, let me ask this. Maybe this morning you'd say, Preacher, I don't even know that I'll go to heaven. I don't know that I will go to heaven when I die. I don't want to die and go to hell. But I would ask prayer ask for prayer because I do not know for sure that heaven will be my home. If that is you, if you'd lift your hand up so I can see it, I'll pray for you. Is there anyone like that at this time that say, that's me, preacher, pray for me. Lift your hand up. Lift it up so I can see it. How many of you just say, preacher, the Lord has spoke to my heart. And there are some concerns. There are some people There's that burden my heart. I would just ask God to give me grace to persevere in prayer. Would you lift your hand? Anybody like that? Father, may you bless those dear people. Encourage them. Strengthen them. Help us, Lord God, to at least continue our worship while we wait. That is so important. Bless our invitation. We ask this in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Brother Brian.